1: Hello and welcome to all you high-flying, wide-smiling, gonjurific cannabophiles. This is The Grow Show on CannabisRadio.com and I am your host, Kyle Cushman. You know, over the past few years, we have seen some radical progress when it comes to cannabis legalization. Marijuana is now legal for medical or even recreational use in nearly half the country. And with more legalization initiatives in the works for 2016, it's pretty much assured that we're going to add more states to the legalization roster. As more people than ever are looking to try it for the first time, seasoned tokers who have been using pot for years are taking a closer look at what they're smoking. Today we're talking with Dr. Dustin Sulak about beginning cannabis therapy and transitioning from recreational to medicinal use. As a licensed physician, he utilizes both modern and ancient medicine in his therapies and through his practice provides guidance to patients looking to integrate cannabis into their wellness plans. This information isn't just for newbies. As I said, long-time recreational users are now getting serious about the medicine they use now that people are free to experiment with cannabis and have more control over their own consumption. People like Dr. Sulak are helping educate consumers on the many ways that cannabis can improve their lives. In addition to having a private practice, he is an activist lecturing on medical cannabis and the endocannabinoid system at many cannabis-related events throughout the country. He's a diplomat of the American Academy of Cannabinoid Medicine. Please be sure to check out his website at www.healer.com. He's truly a wealth of information, and we are excited to have him on the show. Welcome to The Grow Show, Dr. Sulak. Thank you so much, Kyle. Great introduction. Thank you. Thank you for being with us here today. We've got a lot of ground to cover, so I'm going to dive right in. Give our listeners some idea of what drove you to become an outspoken activist for cannabis use and reform.
2: Well, really, I realized early on in high school that I was being lied to about cannabis You know, after I tried it and figured out that it was something that was very helpful to me. At the time, it was helpful spiritually. And I quickly, as I started learning about cannabis, read uh, Jack Herrera's book and then read some other books. And I recognized, wow, this plant has a great potential to help people and to help the environment and to heal the world. And back then, I was actually less interested in in the health aspects and more in kind of the spiritual and the environmental aspects. And then sometime in medical school at a conference, I got the hint of a, a really short lecture about the endocannabinoid system, and I recognized that, whoa, there's something big here that I'm not learning about in my mainstream curriculum. I need to look into this a little more deeply, right? How does THC work in our body? Uh-huh. I had never learned that. So as soon as I started opening you know, and reading articles about the endocannabinoid system, I realized that cannabis showed us, through our exploration of how THC works, this whole system of physiology that's inherent to life that is an integral part of our capacity to heal and respond to injury and respond to illness, and that it's a great target for therapeutics, whether they're herbal therapeutics or pharmaceutical therapeutics, and that this has been really well known since the 90s, but no one bothers to teach medical students anything about it. So I I dove right in, and it's been a big part of my career ever since. I couldn't imagine being a general practitioner without having cannabis as part of my therapeutic options because it's just so safe and so effective in such a wide variety of conditions and, and patients that are coming in. So I, I couldn't help it. I didn't ever decide that I wanted my career to be all about cannabis. I really just wanted it to be about healing. That, that's my main interest. But it turns out that the timing's right and the need is there for cannabis so, to enter mainstream.
1: As with um, you know evolution, cannabis found you. It did. It found it, it, another person to carry it around and speak the praises of it. You know, I have a question that popped into my head here, um, and, and I know it's kind of uh, this is this is still a new science. People can get a liver transplant. People can get a heart transplant. You know, that tells me basically that livers are pretty much the same in all humans, other than blood type. The endocannabinoid system is pretty mysterious. Is it safe? for me to say that everyone's endocannabinoid system is unique to themselves?
2: It is. I think, you know, we see this in our varied response to cannabis. Right. You know, I mean, some people do well with Two to five milligrams a day at the low end. Some people need hundreds or even thousands of milligrams a day at the high end. You know, we see some people with the same exact strain, the same medicine. It'll sedate one person, it'll wake the other person up. There's so much variability. And science has actually shown that there are genes that code for the receptors and the enzymes in the endocannabinoid system. And some of the mutations in those genes have been associated with different outcomes, like Schizophrenia, happiness, uh, tendency mm-hmm. towards PTSD, tendency towards obesity and diabetes. So we're starting to learn about not just the genetics, but also the function of the system, and it is a very unique system. Absolutely. Sure. I've often said that one of the
1: biggest reasons I believe that help keep cannabis illegal is the fact that you pharmacopoeia cannot standardize it. If you give a sample to 100 human beings with a questionnaire, you're going to get a yes and no across the board. And I think that's one of the biggest reasons. It's so miraculous that it actually helped keep it illegal. If it could cure one thing, if it was great for headaches, people would have jumped right on board. But it's kind of confusing to uh, traditional pharmacopoeia that you have something that is
2: virtually good for almost anything in certain cases. Uh, Exactly. It comes off like some kind of snake oil. Right. That we should be, you know, hesitant to believe in. And I, and I agree. You know, I invite people to have that initial response because that's what makes sense. And then when we look deeper into it, we realize, wow, there is a reason, a really good reason that this medicine is actually good for just about every condition someone could present with. And and we understand that reason. So let's use it. It's safe. So. Is
1: there really is, – is there such a thing as a perfect strain or can there be multiple strains people that, that can use on a regular basis for you know, the same condition?
2: You know, I find within a certain individual, people will find a strain that works for them very well for a long time and then it starts to lose efficacy. And so I, I tend to encourage my patients to certainly know what works the best for them but to continue to explore other strains – and because we change over time as we age, or as hopefully we get into better balance in our health, our needs from cannabis may change not only the dosage but also the strain. You know, on the dosage side, people tend to need less and less as they get healthier and healthier. You know, I think that makes sense uh, to most people, but you know, it's just interesting. I, I talked to hundreds of patients, you know, thousands throughout my career, and I hear this story a lot where people are doing very well on a certain strain and a certain dosage for years or even decades, and then all of a sudden it's like it just stopped working for them or even started causing side effects. And then when they switch up the strain and the dosage, they're able to find something that works again. And I'm not sure why it's such an abrupt change sometimes, but I'll throw that out there so the listeners who may have experienced that can have something to relate to.
1: Yeah, you know, I I think certainly, you know, a strain of cannabis that's worked reliably for years can almost for no reason become less effective over time. Maybe it's just as simple as, you know, we go through different periods in our life where, you know, we love spaghetti and you eat spaghetti four times a week. And then all of a sudden, after you've done that for a month, you don't want to have spaghetti again for a year. So who knows? Maybe it's just as simple your own system just telling, you know, I want another flavor.
2: Yeah, I think so. Variety is, is a great part of life, It's in, and cannabis brings so much of it to our lives.
1: What would you say is the very first step to finding the strain or strains that is right for an individual?
2: I usually recommend that people start with two or three strains each for daytime and nighttime. So, you know, go to the grower or the breeder or whoever you're getting it from and say – what are kind of the three most popular strains for daytime and nighttime? And then if it, you know if you have specific symptoms, you can certainly say, you know, here's well, tell me what's the best for migraine or what's the best for you know muscle spasms or whatever it may be. But always get a variety, never just stick with one. And then try the strains methodically. So spend a good couple days with just one strain, and then spend a couple more days with the other. And same with the nights. And then people can start to from that. First exposure, get a general sense of what they like and what they don't like. Now, for a lot of people, I encourage them to just use their nose and get a sense of the aroma of the cannabis. And now we know that the terpenes, the chemicals that give cannabis its smell, its odor, and its flavor, are actually involved in modulating the therapeutic effects. Mm-hmm. And so by identifying strains that tend to smell, say, like lavender those strains probably have more linalool in them. That's the terpene that smells like lavender. And those strains tend to be more sedating and better for muscle relaxation. And some people just know, hey, if I get a strain that has that kind of lavender flavor, that's going to be the right one for me. Some people say that about the pine flavor or the the lemon or citrus flavor. And so there's a lot to that. Then you got this whole option, right? If If you know that you like citrus strains go get five citrus strains you know because there right. really are that many out there and then you can start to differentiate which of those works best for you
1: very good advice you know it's very for me it's always been very important to identify a really good daytime strain and a really good nighttime strain and then not confuse them you have to have <laughs> you have to have a bowl that you know that that bowl left over from last night you don't want to waste it And a lot of times I'll find myself, because I don't want to waste it, I'll smoke it. So make sure you have at least two smoking devices. You know, we're going to come right back. It's time for us to show our sponsors some Grow Show love. So take a quick toke, and we'll be right back to talk more with Dr. Sulak about maximizing how you use cannabis. The
0: Grow Show with Kyle Cushman will return once we cultivate through this short commercial break. More flavor. Doc Rob, the concierge for better living.
2: Cannabis is just one of the many great plants that we have on this planet called Earth that we can use consciously
0: and intelligently to improve our well-being. Take a real, raw, inside look at healthier living while sharing great ideas and improvements for a better quality
2: of life. Learning to live and live well is a lifelong process. This is a journey. You could be, you could be 80 years old or 8 years old. You can still learn something that's going to make tomorrow a little bit healthier, a little bit easier, a little bit happier, a little bit better.
0: The Concierge for Better Living with Doc Rob, Only on CannabisRadio.com. Time to plant some more conversational seeds. You're listening to the Grow Show with Kyle Gushman, only on cannabisradio.com.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Grow Show on cannabisradio.com. We are talking with Dr. Dustin Sulak today about treating various ailments and conditions with cannabis. And what are the best ways to do that? And so what I want to ask you right now is, what would you
2: say are the top three most effective methods of consuming cannabis? Well, I think inhalation is obvious and effective. And that's Woo-hoo! because Everybody it, loves to smoke a little right. joint, right? It, you know what? It's got such a fast onset that, first of all, you know if it's working or if it's not working. It's really easy to get the right dosage, you know, take a puff, wait a couple minutes, do I need another puff or not? So you don't overshoot the dosage or undershoot it. It's great. You know, I think the downsides of inhalation besides respiratory inhalation for some folks, and that goes, you know, more with smoking, but even vaporizers are hard on some people's lungs. It also has a shorter duration of action. And so Mm -hmm. I see patients that are smoking before bed say it helps them get to sleep, but it doesn't last all night. They need something that will last longer. I think in my patient population, especially the people that are new to cannabis, the liquid extracts, you know, an alcohol tincture or an oil-based extract are really this kind of middle of the road that works so well for everyone because you can still get very specific dosing. You know, I had a patient today who if he takes five drops of his tincture, he gets pain control and he can go to work and he's not impaired. But on the weekend, he'll take eight drops, and he'll get a little you know, euphoric and a little stoned, and he likes that. And, and so you can really get that precise dosing.
1: That brings me exactly – that was my next question I was going to ask you is that I'm sure in your clinic that you get people that come to you that ask you basically is there a way to benefit from the medicinal effects of THC
2: without getting high? Absolutely. that's I mean, I, I'm surprised by how often I get that question. It's coming from current you know users and stoners and potheads, and it's coming from people that are brand new and the young and the elderly. So there there are ways, you know, just to be really concise, even with a THC dominant cannabis preparation, the dosing, you know, the precise dosing is a great way. To avoid getting high because most people will usually get therapeutic effects at a lower dose than they get the psychoactive effects. And if you have something like a tincture or an oil where you can be so specific with the dosing, you can figure out that window in between efficacy and, you know, the psychoactivity, which people Mm -hmm. would consider side effects. Right.
1: Well, those of us who have been smoking weed for more than a little while basically know what tolerance is, but maybe don't know a lot about it. So let's talk tolerance management for heavy users. I always think it's a good idea. You know, I've gone a l- full circle in my life. You know, I used to be a wake and baker. And it was a regular thing for me, a little bit more moderate now. And I don't necessarily smoke every morning when I first wake up. In fact, most mornings. And that's how I manage my tolerance. I, uh, you know, sometimes go through the day and look forward to it at the end of the day. And then, you know, occasionally when I take a little uh, vacation from it, you know, for just a day or two or three, spend some time with my family and things like that. Do you have any advice for people to, to manage tolerance for heavy users?
2: Absolutely. I think the first most important point is that there usually is, for each individual, an optimal dose where they will continue to get excellent results, you know, great effects from the cannabis without building tolerance to it. And if you can stay at that sort of threshold dosage, you can have efficacy for years and years. And when you go above that threshold, you may not know it right away, but over weeks or months, you'll start to notice, hey, I'm building tolerance. If, if I stay at that dose, I'm losing the effects or I, I simply need to use more and more over time. And that tolerance is well established. We know what's happening physiologically people are, you know, the receptors are being downregulated and becoming less sensitive. And so the advice to people, you know, patients and recreational users is to take a break. Like you said, now I've developed a protocol that does a little bit more than a break and I've just worked with patients over the last five years. So it looks like this in its short form. It's a 48 hour period of cannabis abstinence. Uh Afterwards, there's three days of using cannabis three times a day to get the minimal effect. So that means take a puff, wait a couple minutes. If you feel nothing at all, take another puff. But if even if you feel a little something, you're done for that session. Okay, you do that three times a day for three days. And then on the fourth day, which is day six overall, you go ahead and use as much as you need to get where you want to be, whether it's the euphoria that you're looking for or the symptom relief you're looking for. And people usually come back and say, On day six, I got the same or greater benefits at less than half the dose I was at previously. So it's a six-day protocol, and when people get through it, they've they've reset and enhanced their sensitivity. It works really well, and it's all outlined on my website, healer.com.
1: That's really interesting and really important. Can you get around tolerance by swapping out one consumption method for another, such as switching from smoking to
2: tinctures or something like that, or edibles? You can to some extent. When we take cannabis orally, it goes through the liver first and the THC gets turned into a slightly different form called 11-hydroxy-THC. And that has different effects in the body. You know, a lot of people say it's kind of more of a body effect, but some people will say it's more of a head effect. But either way, it's a different substance at that point. And it has, because it's a little bit different, you can get a little break from one and, and go to the other. But in general, I find with patients, that's kind of short lived. They might, you know, get a little bit of a change, but then they're back on the building tolerance and needing that dose escalation. I think that mm-hmm. the 48 the hour abstinence followed by that careful titration of dosage works the best.
1: I think it sounds like a really good advice as well. I mean, you know, I'm not against anybody who uses cannabis solely for recreation and feels like they choose to smoke it all day, every day. Everybody has the right to decide what makes their life beneficial and productive. But, you know, this show is just a little bit more for people who are maybe a little bit more inexperienced or maybe they know somebody who who is hesitant to try it for medicine so that we can build them up a little bit more information to help talk to these people
2: Is there a way that we can prevent tolerance from building too quickly? Well, I think that having had the experience of tolerance building is really valuable. So for, like you said, your life has kind of come full circle. And I encourage people to have that experience where they've built so much tolerance that they're smoking all day and they've never, you know, never even feel it. They can smoke a whole joint and barely even notice anything. Like that's not a good way to be for the long run. But having had that experience, people can start to recognize later on when they start to slip into tolerance building. And so again, I think that each person can identify for themselves at this time in their lives, what's their optimal dose where they're going to maintain efficacy without tolerance building and the need for dose escalation. And I think we all have that dose. We just need to know how to find it.
1: So that brings me to a very practical question. Can you tell us what are some of the more common strains that you recommend for medicinal use and what do you treat them with?
2: Yep. So, you know, about 70% of my practice is chronic pain. And, you know, almost universally, people love the blueberry strain and some of the crosses with blueberries for pain. It seems like such a practical strain. People can use it during the day and use it at night and they get really good results with it. There's also a strain in Maine that's very popular. I believe it came from Maine called Mother of Berries, and that's more of a nighttime strain, but people with pain really love that one. You know, MOB. I see MOB, exactly. On. The MOB. <laughs> I find that a lot of people love the Jack Herrera and that type of, you know, the crosses with the Jack. There seems to be something about it that's just different than other strains. It works really well for PTSD, work, works well for respiratory issues you know but the, and there's just so many out there the cheese is another good one for sleep i've i've had a lot of success with cheese but i'm sure i'm leaving out some really important ones too that are just not coming to mind
1: well that's okay that's really good advice you know this has been a really great discussion you know i hope that we get to meet up at a conference
2: here pretty soon i'm sure we'll cross paths your clinic is in maine is that correct that's correct we have two locations in maine and then we also have a sister practice in burlington massachusetts Cool. It's really important that we're spreading this information across
1: the country. Um, Unfortunately, we are running out of time. Dr. Dustin Sulak, I want to thank you again for taking the time to come on the show and sharing your expertise with us.
2: Can you tell our listeners how best to reach you if they'd like to to get some more information? Absolutely. I have a lot of patient education on my website, healer.com. And it helps to understand how to best use cannabis and also how to use cannabis in a way that augments other healing therapies. And there's a lot of cool things on there like exercises and meditations, breathing work. My practice is called Integrate Health. And Integrate is spelled with the number eight. So if you're in New England or if you want to come to New England to see me or see one of my colleagues for actual medical visit, that's where you'll find us. So Healer.com, IntegrateHealth.com.
1: Thank you very much, Dustin, for being with us and sharing that advice, and keep up the really great work. Unfortunately, right now, we have to take another break for some sponsor love, and we'll be right back with Ask Kyle.
0: The Grow Show with Kyle Cushman will return once we cultivate through this short commercial break. The
2: next generation of vaporizers has arrived.
0: Are you paying too much for your paid advertising? Or have you quit altogether because it seemed like a huge waste of money? I'm David Ogletree, president of
2: WME Training. Did you know that companies waste 25% of their PPC spend on average? At WME Training, we can show you how to make your AdWords account a lean, mean, converting machine.
0: Whether you're just starting out or want to take your skills to the next level, we have a class for you. Contact the marketing experts at
1: WMETraining.com.
0: From high atop Mount Soldad in San Diego, California, 100 feet above sea level, good morning, it's good news with cannabis nurse Heather.
1: This plant is amazing. Positive change is happening. We did it. No matter who you are, you
0: can make a positive impact on the world. I would rather be illegally alive than legally dead. And that quote helped to give you strength. Nurse Heather is only on CannabisRadio.com. Good morning, Cannabis Nurse Heather. Time to plant some more conversational seeds. You're listening to The Grow Show with Kyle Gushman, only on CannabisRadio.com.
1: Welcome back, everybody, to The Grow Show on CannabisRadio.com. And now it's time for the final segment of the show called Ask Kyle. We have a lot of burning questions this week, so let's get started. From Nancy B. Normally, near the end, we will run gallons of water through, calling this a flush, and then give the plants water only until the end. Do we need to flush when using Viga Matrix, or is water only near the end enough? Well, you know, I have never been one to actually do that whole running of gallons of water through my buckets. Maybe that's because I've never over nutrified my plants. But I just believe that around three weeks from harvest, you cut all NPK in half and eliminate all micronutrient use. Two weeks out from harvest, it's just an enzymatic formula and water And then you get one week of just plain water near the end, and you've got a really good rinse at the end. No need for flushing gallons of water through your pots, especially not when using Vegamatrix. From Marcus R. I have a limited space in my current apartment, so height is a major concern. Will the length of the vegetative period influence how tall the plant grows? If I want a shorter plant, could I just reduce the time for vegetative growth? That's the absolute trick right there, Marcus. You can decide how much you want the plant to yield, basically. You can decide how tall the plant's going to be when you finish. And absolutely, when you decide to switch it over to flowering, the average strain is going to double to triple in height. That's what you can count on. So if you've got a six-foot ceiling and your light hangs down, you know, 18 inches from that, you're going to have to flower at under two feet. That's including the pot height. So remember, the average strain once you flower will double to triple in height depending on the strain. From Marcus Sparkus If I mix my special microbe soil into my other soil, will the microbes reproduce and fill out the rest of the soil? Absolutely. Microbes will reproduce in the soil. That's why we feed them a beneficial food like complex carbohydrates or seaweed, and yeah, they actually will propagate in the soil. From Lisa S., I have a 600-watt high-pressure sodium and a 7,200 K Kelvin metal halide. How far away from the tops can I go with these, and how well will they be able to penetrate the canopy? I'm only doing a small two-plant grow, so nothing crazy. Well, I'm glad that you have HPS and metal halide because you can really take advantage of keeping your plants from stretching from the time you switch them over to flowering. It's really good to veg under your halide. With 600 watts, you should be able to keep the lights within two feet, maybe even a little bit closer if you've got a fan that's blowing right across between the top of the plants and the bulb. So a good airflow. Put a thermometer right at the top of the the plants, and that'll tell you how close you can keep the plants. You want the thermometer to stay below 85 probably in the low 80s, 82 degrees would be optimal. So the same thing goes for the 600-watt sodium. Just monitor the temperature and keep them nice and comfortable. Remember, if you're comfortable, it's a good chance that your plants will be comfortable. If you feel hot, it's a good chance that your plants are going to be sweating as well. And our last question for the day from Codemaster Cool. Have you ever used a Phototron? Boy, you know, the Phototron was the longest-running ad in High Times magazine. You know, actually, I have used them. You know what? The very first time I ever made seeds, they came out of a Phototron. And it's an interesting little device if you don't know what it is. It's a very aesthetically pleasing little garden that uses uh, pretty high-powered fluorescent tubes, and one-way mirrored plexiglass so that you can see in, but none of the light comes out. So all of the light is reflected back in. It's a really interesting little machine. You know, they've really come down in price. And they're really more of an herb garden. These little herb gardens you see on TV to grow basil and such at home. But, you know, everything has a time and place. And if you think it will fit into your style and you'd like to grow just a single plant, have at it. I'm sure you'll do really well. Well, that is it for us today. If you want to submit your own questions, just send it to diane, D-I-A-N-E, at kylecushman.com or go to our Facebook page at www.facebook.com slash show. You can also tweet questions to AtCAN Radio using hashtag thegrowshow or send via direct message. But unfortunately, we are out of time. I want to thank our guests and producers for making this show possible. Make sure to check out my website, kylecushman.com, where you can find out where to follow me on social media and upcoming events I'll be attending. You can also subscribe to my newsletter and a whole lot more. Find new episodes of The Gross Show every Wednesday by going to CannabisRadio.com or subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Thanks for joining us, everybody. I'm your host, Kyle Cushman, and as always, stay lifted.